Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today, we're talking to Robin Chauvin, soon to be Robin Levine. Robin is an ex-Wall Streeter turned editor-in-chief of mature beauty website Charlotte's Book, as well as the founder of the all-natural sports drink, Halo Sport. In this episode, Robin will tell us about quitting her big-time job on Wall Street to found Charlotte's Book, as well as how she invented Halo Sport and brought it to market. She'll also discuss how she kept going throughout tumultuous changes in her personal life and give advice for other women balancing personal heartache with professional ambition. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Robin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We are well. I am so happy that you've made the time difference call all the way over from New York. We are literally halfway around the world right now. How about that? (laughs) I know. Happy to do it. I I wish I was where you guys are than than being in New York, but it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting sunny here in Sydney. It's getting to be that summertime. But we're so excited to have you on the show because you've got such a great story with um, Halo and just how you kind of became the woman that you are today. So could you tell us a little bit about how um, sort of your career so far? And Sure. Yeah. So a um, so little non-linear. I went to school uh, for economics and business management. And when I came out of college, I went right into the investment banking program at J.P. Morgan. And yep. I worked there for a few years. Um, I then decided to move from the investment banking uh, group in, onto the trading desk, okay. which was a big move. Um, being a woman on a trading floor is not the easiest thing to do. We've heard. Um, so that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that <laughs> Extremely difficult and very intense. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's funny because when I when I talk about that experience with people, people feel that it's it's a little bit um, I don't know not not what they see in the movies, but I can tell you that it is. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of yelling. And <laughs> Wolf a lot on of Wall throwing. Street. Is it like Wolf on Wall it's Street? It's true. <laughs> I mean. I've literally had like chairs thrown at me and screaming and yeah. (laughs) So did you always think that you wanted to be in finance? Like, is that what you always wanted to do? Did you grow up? I'm sorry. You grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. I did. I grew up, I grew up um, mostly in New Jersey. Okay. Uh Great. Okay. So New York was kind of like this glittering thing for you and you wanted to be in finance or no? I mean, I've always wanted to go into business, um, I mean, since I can remember. Okay. Um, and so that's why I went into the business program when I went to college. Um, so, yeah, it's something that I've always wanted to do. And I think at the time, um, I don't know, it was just kind of like, you know, you went into college and, you, you know, at, at, you get sort of courted by all the top investment banks when you go to, you know, the various schools. And, right. Um you know, so if you go to, you know, I, I know you guys don't have that, but in, like, you know, in the U.S., you have like your your the Ivies, and that you come in, and yeah, and I was lucky enough to go to one, and they just really sort of court you into these programs, right? Yeah, it's very elite. I I worked in New York for a little while when I was 
young. Uh, I didn't go to an Ivy myself, but it, I remember all of the people in our kind of like we had these this dorm like housing and they were all doing those entry level programs. Like I was the only one yep. in like design, <laughs> you know, I was like the hippie. <laughs> right. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Well, also, too, it I mean, you know, I think having financial independence was always something very, very important to me. Mm. And, um, you know, y- you get a little bit um, excited and enamored and it's like so this literally shiny thing where, they, you know, they pay you a lot of money Yeah. when you go into investment banking programs. And, you know, it's kind of like, wow, you know, yeah. and you, you're kind of your eyes light up and it, it's really exciting and sort of, you know, hard to turn that that path down. Did you can I ask, did you watch Sex in the City growing up? Oh my God, I watched it yeah. obsessively. Yeah, me too. I, that's the whole reason I moved to New York. Like when I was really young, that's really? the whole reason for my little stint in New York. I wanted to live that life. I wanted to, you know, because it, it was the first time that you saw women. I mean, for our like the older millennial generation, I guess, for me, mm-hmm. it was the first time that you saw women independent and kind of living this um, life that they afforded themselves. Mm, but how did she afford that Manhattan apartment she when didn't. she wrote like two she articles couldn't. a week? No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> that apartment is, I know, it's so crazy. I know, I think about that now. I mean, that would be a fortune in the West Village. Yeah, but you know what? When you're in high school, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, I'm going to move oh, to New York. Oh, totally. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to buy, you know, big townhouse in the West Village and walk around in these crazy, intense, like, designer clothes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm never going to get blisters. <laughs> ever, Any, ever. Yeah. Anyway, sidebar. Um, so you went into, yep. you were on the trading Totally floor. inspired by that. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I actually live right over by Magnolia Bakery, which is where oh, made famous yeah. by the show. That's it's right, right by my apartment. That's right. Yeah, That's the right. lines. Everyone stands in line for those cupcakes. Still. Huh. Still. They still, during the pandemic, wow. people are standing in line for those cupcakes. I kid you not. Celebrity <laughs> over safety. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Here we are. Okay. So anyway, um, so you're on the trading floor. Okay. So then what happened? Yes. Um, so I did very well on the trading floor and I, um, was covering energy companies. I was the credit, um, analyst on the trading floor, very intense. And I stayed there for about a little over 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. Okay. And yeah, really long. Um, then when I turned, was about to turn 35 and I was about to go into my I guess, 15th year at JP Morgan, I kind of just said to myself, I either have to make a life decision at this point where I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be here forever and I'm going to be a lifer. Yeah. And I'm going to be a JP Morgan lifer um, or I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. And that was really a very difficult decision because it was getting to the point where I was just, I, I just didn't want to go to work anymore. Yeah. You know, it was just so draining. Yeah. And I would just wake up and be like, I just don't want to do this for the rest of my life. That yeah. said, you know, I think a lot of people would be, you know, really happy to have that um, paycheck. And trust me, I miss it a lot now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I just kind of was like, you know what, I got to I got to do something else with my life. And otherwise, I think I'll probably go brain dead. Yeah. And you were married at the time? I was not married at the time. So I met, I was, um, I met my husband at the time when I was about 26 or 27. Okay. So you, by the Um, time you're 35 and you're burnt out, you guys have been together for a a little while. We had been together for probably, I want to say eight, nine years or something like that. Yeah. 
Now, we never got married. Oh, okay. Uh, He was a client of the firm, and so we never got married. Oh, weird. (laughs) (laughs) So he couldn't be your client anymore if you guys had married. If we got married, so I was a I was a public analyst where, you know, I was one of those analysts where you watch CNBC and I tell everybody, yes. you know, what to buy. Gotcha. And because of that, if we got, and he worked at, you know, that he, that was a time when hedge funds were becoming a really big thing on Wall Street. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah. and uh, if we got married, we would have had to sort of jump through a lot of regulatory issues. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Huh, that is interesting. Modern dating. Yeah, modern dating. I know. Wow. So did you think at that point that you wanted to leave to potentially start your own business or just have a complete career change? I thought I wanted to go do something else to start my own business and honestly just to learn something else. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of felt that I hit a wall of, you know, I'm just not going to learn anything anymore. Okay. You know, yeah. and that, and that was kind of a big thing for me where I'd come to work and it just, you know, just became very routine. Yeah. Robotic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like a check, you know, just to check the box. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know, just like mentally, I was like, I need to sort of, sort of do something else with my life. Yeah. Yeah. So then I just resigned. Wow. Uh, which was really hard because if you're, you know, if you're a woman in a senior position, you've been there a long time, you have a lot of tenure. They really, they do anything to not let go of you. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, just kind of walked away. And then I've always been very weirdly obsessed with wellness and beauty and anti-aging things um, and comb the internet and all kinds of stuff on, on what to do in that. So yeah. I actually took about six months and... I went to the School of Visual Arts. Oh, wow. And you went to I, SVA. How fun. I did. I went to <laughs> SVA. So good. Yeah, exactly. I lived around the corner from it at the time. And okay. so I just walked in and I signed up for a bunch of classes. Yeah. Wow. And I went in there. And then I also went and took a bunch of coding classes oh, wow. um, at General Assembly. Okay. Nice. Amazing. And then I started working on my website, which you guys were reading before on Charlotte's Book and just getting that going. So yeah. what year is this that you start Charlotte's Book? Um, I want to say it's 2014. Okay. Maybe. Um, could you explain to our listeners what Charlotte's Book is all about? Totally. Okay. So Charlotte's Book is a beauty and wellness website catered to about a 35 and older female Um, And what we do is um, there's a lot of content across medical experts that are vetted for the site. So we work with plastic surgeons, dermatologists, nutritionists, um, celebrity trainers, and they all um, write. They're all sort of contributing um, editors to the site. I love it. I absolutely love it because I Mm. feel like so much beauty that you see out there right now is focused on like 25 year olds. Like you, you see like these Instagram influencers and they're like, oh, this is what you do to have perfect skin. But then they're like 25 and I'm like, okay, well, what you do to have perfect skin is be 25. Yeah. You already have perfect skin. (laughs) It's like the baby G face. Yeah. Yeah. But your, (laughs) your, um, 
you know, website really caters to a time when you need to start thinking about this stuff uh, a little bit more seriously and taking really excellent care of your skin and your health. Um, so I just, I love it. It's and, so good. And Charlotte's book really took off, didn't it? Because you had a celebrity reader. I did. <laughs> I did. So about three months into launching it, I had a celebrity reader, um, which was Bobby Brown, amazing. who is amazing, amazing, amazing on all fronts. I love her so much. And uh, she just sort of wrote me and said, I love the site for exactly what you just said, you know, that it speaks to um, the right age group and in an honest way. Like yeah. you said, everything that I was reading in beauty and wellness, like I said, I'm like, okay, if you're 25, it doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter how many times a day you work out like you're freaking 25. Yeah. So, um, you know, so she really appreciated that and sort of the, the, the way that we, you know, write honestly about stuff. And um, she put me into the Yahoo syndication network. Uh -huh. um, at the time she had become, she was leaving Bobby Brown and she became the editor of Yahoo Beauty. And usually to be put in those syndication networks, you need to, you know, have hundreds of thousands of readers and be, you know, right. like Allure magazine or something. Um, but she put me in, even though at the time I probably had like 500 readers. Um, wow. And uh, then all of a sudden my traffic, you know, just sort of skyrocketed. Yeah, and like a big break. That was very lucky. Huge big break. Yeah. Um, she's been a huge supporter of everything I write, and I write a column for her and her website as well. I don't know if you guys are reading, but it's called the Girlfriend's Guide, Ooh. and um, it's pretty. It's a fun one. Um, so that helped me a lot, and really took off in terms of, you know, having people come on and and really want to write for us and and sort of be a part of the brand and my newsletter I'm always really proud everything's been really organic so um, everything on the site's really generated by people subscribing to that weekly newsletter it's been really organic so yeah. we kind of have you know great readership and um, I that transitioned into Halo I had Charlotte's book for a while I still have it and I started working with a lot of fitness and wellness experts on the site in addition to beauty. Mm. And I work out a lot. I'm a total psychopath. I used to work out like <laughs> three times a day. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would have like my yoga instructor in the morning and then I'd have my trainer and then I would do another yoga. Like I'm a total, I'm oh, a total psycho. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> like if I make it up, up for yoga, I'm like, woohoo, I've won the day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, yeah, I'm almost like embarrassed by it, but. Um, so did you see that there was like a kind of gap for a sports drink then that, that would like kind of fit with your healthy lifestyle? Because when I think of sports drinks, I think of like Gatorade and like yeah. very sugary totally. drinks yeah. that I would never touch because I feel like if I have this and there's literally no point in me doing the workout, yeah. I've just consumed the calories <laughs> yeah. again. <laughs> it's a total waste. I mean, who, I mean, you drink it and, and you've totally wiped out your workout. And I always say, if I'm going to drink something and wipe out my workout, it better be wine. Yeah. You know, not, not a freaking like Gatorade or even, you know, like a smoothie for that matter. It's just mm. a waste of calories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly right. I mean, something that was, you know, healthier and better for you. And honestly, also a big part of it was I was working with so many women, um, you know, so, so we worked with, um, a lot that write for this, uh, that would do stuff for the site was Kelly Ripa's trainer, um, mm. Shakira's trainer, um, um, uh, Selena Gomez's trainer that was on tour with her. Like, you know, so a lot of the, 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 the women that we were working with, 
I also felt weren't being represented in the space. Yeah. And when you think about that category, it's all men. Like the whole category is just men, 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 men. And, and I feel that women are really the people who are dominating in health and fitness. And, you know, even, even, you know, the way that we work out now, like I see women like crushing it. Like they're doing way harder things than men are. Yeah. Um, and so that was a big part. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost all women when you go in there. So what was it about Halo that's like the differentiation point then from other sports drinks? Can you just tell us a little bit about the actual drink itself? So, yeah, that was a very lengthy process. So I'm, I'm, at this point I left JP Morgan, I took all these coding classes and design and whatnot. I have the website. I'm working with all these fitness people. I'm going to their classes and... You know, I noticed that a lot of the products that they're drinking, they're either drinking water, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, drinks water, or they're drinking coconut water, right? Nobody's nobody's touching a Powerade or a Gatorade or any sort of, you know, crappy drink like that. Yeah. And, but everyone's kind of looking for, even going to, I don't know if you guys have SoulCycle, but going to some of the SoulCycle things, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I want something that has more electrolytes and more nutrients, but I don't necessarily want to drink a Gatorade. I don't want to drink a coconut water yeah. because coconut water actually has the same amount of sugar as a Gatorade. Yeah. Same, same amount of sugar. Wow. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think we always appease ourselves by saying, oh, but it's natural sugar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then it actually doesn't really matter. Your body breaks it down the same. That's exactly it, it, it. That's what people say. Oh well, it's natural. I'm like, but it's still calories. Yeah, it's still sugar. Yeah. It's still defeating the whole purpose of your workout. You know. Um, so I kind of got to them, started speaking to a lot of people, and what I noticed was a few common themes of what my nutritionists and fitness experts would do, and which I started incorporating into my own habits was um, I drink, you know, I I drink lemon juice every morning. Mm -hmm. And every nutritionist that I ever speak to or that I work with says, you know, drink lemon water in the morning. Yeah. And that was a, you know, sort of basic level of, okay, well, I'm going to do this every morning anyway. Everybody I talk to that's healthy and fit and that I sort of aspire to live their lifestyle are drinking lemon juice every morning. Mm. So that's what we use as the base of the drink um, rather than coconut water. And that's how... We wanted to, you know, to make it organic and natural. And then the challenge of making it um, have electrolytes and have antioxidants and vitamins and all these sort of added benefits without sugar um, took me a really long time. So I started just trying to find suppliers of products and trying to formulate how could I make this a drink that was natural in the way that coconut water is natural, mm-hmm. yeah. but without all the sugar, right? Yeah. Like how, how do you, how do you get that like hydration, you know, potassium value, but don't add the sugar content. Yeah. Um, was oh, the problem that I was trying to solve. Exactly. And mm-hmm. the sweetness. And, and honestly, a lot of people don't like coconut water. I don't love it. It doesn't, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a polarizing taste. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Um, so we work, I, I finally found a company, um, in, um, the great salt lake in Utah and we harvest the electrolytes from the lake and that's where we put in all the bottles of halo. That is insane. (laughs) Yeah. That is so cool. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Wow. What a solution. So like just kind of, kind of dialing back in, in this time. Were you calling people up? Were you going through directories? Were you just Googling suppliers? Like, how did you find How did you make them? that connection? I started going, I started looking up 
um, food and beverage trade shows. Okay. And started att- and just started attending them. Huh. And talking to the people at the booths and talking to people at the shows and trying to figure out, you know, who, who could I find to help me? And that was the, the best thing. When people ask me about that, I said the best thing that you can do is go to the trade shows, um, which might be a little challenging now during COVID, but they'll probably come back, um, mm, is, yeah. uh, you know, just going to a lot of the trade shows and talking to other companies and other founders and people are very willing to help you and share information. And you just have to ask and ask and ask and ask yeah. because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I always like to say is like, you don't, you don't get what you don't ask for. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Yeah. Good tip. That is a very yeah. good tip. <laughs> you know, you just have to ask for help. <laughs> so were you um, self-funded at this point? Did you have a co-founder or were you doing you know, how, how are you kind of surviving as well? Um, so at this point I hadn't raised any money and I was really just feeling out the idea, filling out the formulation and even just seeing if it was possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really, you know, at that time it was probably something like an investment of like $10,000 of, you know, is this even something that I could do? How can I find people? I found a little, um, lab out in New Jersey that would, you know, put together a few bottles for me. So it was really kind of scrappy and scrounging around. Yeah. Gotcha. And yeah. So, um, just kind of seeing if it was feasible, right. You know, sort of proof of proof of concept. And, um, so very early stages. And once I sort of felt comfortable and was speaking to a lot of the fitness people that I work with and saying, Hey, you know, is this something that you would like? And, they were like, yeah, organic lemon juice with natural minerals and electrolytes. Like, who wouldn't want to drink that? Yeah. You know, why, yeah. is anybody, why isn't anyone making that? And I was like, okay. Um, so that's kind of how, how it started. And then I remember, and I always stress, you know, the importance of, of networking. And I've always kept in contact with everybody I've, I've, I've worked with um, in any capacity, especially all my colleagues at J.P. Morgan. Yep. Um, one of my old colleagues... Uh, had left banking far before me and started a gin company. And I kind of wrecked my brain and I said, you know, who do I know in the consumer product space? Because I think one of the Mm -hmm. tips is always, you know, you should, you should know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I have an idea. That doesn't mean I have really any clue of how to bring a product to market. Yeah. Uh, So I kind of racked my brain, like, who, who do I know that I can ask for help? Um, so I, I reached out to him, um, honestly, just on Facebook and I hadn't talked to him in a few years and just said, Hey, you know, could you spare some time, you know, buy you a drink or dinner? I have an idea and I wanted to run it by you. You're, you know, the only person I know in the consumer product space. So, um, met up with him and kind of talked him through it and not even really trying to pitch anything that I'd love to get your thoughts on it he immediately said, I love this idea. I think it's so amazing. Um, I love the, you know, addressable market size and opportunity of it. Yes. And I want to, I want to work with you on it. And I was like, okay. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of how the, the, the partnership formed. And I think that was probably 2017. And, um, after that was born, we just, you know, started, um, raising money from there. Wow. Okay. And that's kind of how, how it came about. 
you reached out for advice and and ended up finding a partner, a business partner. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Amazing. I think it's awesome the tip to just keep your networks like keep, um, you know, maintain your networks. Because I think even when you move like across the world, it's the people, the more people that you know, and the more people that you maintain relationships with, it's like, you never know where you're going to go next. You never know what you're going to, what idea you're going to have next. Mm. And being able to just reach out to people for advice is so valuable. It's, I can't even express how valuable I think it's, I think people don't do enough of that. And you just, you never know who, those people know, you yeah. know what I mean? A lot right. of people are sometimes, you know, one or two arms lengths away. Yeah. And I always say, you know, you just have to ask. And even if mm-hmm. you don't think someone can help you, you don't know who they know, who's going to say, you know what? I met someone and I think they can help you out on this. And yeah. I think just maintaining those networks, always keeping people sort of up to date. And, and also I think when you maintain the networks of just um, making sure it's also like a, you know, a, a, a give and receive Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the other part of it is just helping people when you can. Like, I love helping people. It feels so good Mm. when you can help somebody who, you know, even now with so many people getting made redundant or laid off, like if you can help them find a job or find a freelance project or help them like get through to the next opportunity, people remember that, but it's also just the right thing to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, Just make time, even if it's a, you know, a 10 minute conversation, a hundred percent. Yeah. Great tip. So you've got the product, you've got the business partner, you've kind of verified the business case for the product, which I think is so, so, so important. Um, So how do you bring this thing to market? (laughs) That was, um, wow. I mean, I have to tell you, um, bringing a drink to market is very hard. Um, It's so interesting because this is the first time, you know, I've been in finance for a long time and I've sat on the other side of the table listening people pitch me ideas. Yeah. And um, every market is so unique in terms of, you know, customer acquisition and and, um, drinks are a very difficult market. Um, What was exciting about this product, I have to say, is that and I think that why we were able to raise so much money uh-huh. is that it's very simple and there's no consumer education. And right. so when I'd walk around, you're right, you know, you walk around to a lot of the, the trade shows and I think in food and beverage specifically, you know, somebody might have this great idea that they, you know, they may made this bar in their kitchen or whatever it is. And, yeah. um, you know, or uh, even in drinks, I saw a lot of like, oh, I have this, you know, obscure sort of you know, maple water thing and what's maple water. And so I think when it's something really super simple and there's, there's little to no consumer education, you have a big step up already. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting too. It's like you could have the coolest next big thing, Mm -hmm. but if it takes you 10 minutes to explain to people why it's good for them or why they should be eating it or why they should try it, then they're going to lose, you're going to lose their attention. So it's almost like they already knew electrolytes were good for them. You know, you kind of hit this sweet spot where um, you're getting into, you're just presenting an idea that everybody's already familiar with in a new way. Yep, exactly, exactly. It's really just an iteration, you know, of what's out there, but, you know, making it better and taking a step farther. Yeah, yeah. Um, And bringing it to market um, is a difficult task, I would say, you know, the most important things of bringing something to market are having enough capital behind yeah. you because, mm, yeah. you know, one of the biggest mistakes I think people make is 
um, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And it's going to cost you money. And no matter how much you plan and how much you do things, like, it, it, it's it's just impossible to foresee every mistake that you make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you just have, you have to have a little bit of cushion, you know, behind you. Right. Um, so that was, you know, ha- having, having some financial capability, um, having some ex- expertise um, in the space and just sort of, you know, getting people on your team that can advise you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just being really thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard so many, so many bad stories. And, and I said, always like, just kind of listen is, you know, you talk to other businesses and you ask them, like, what are the mistakes that they made? And I remember talking to an, a, a guy that I met at a trade show who started a tea. And he said, you know, I started out, he goes, I raised a hundred thousand dollars from my friends and family. Yeah. And I got into, and he goes, I got into Whole Foods right away. Right. And he got so excited immediately. It was like, holy shit, I got into Whole Foods. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I hear those stories from beauty brands. Oh my God, I got into Target and I got into Nord, you know, all these yeah. big chains yeah. and they'll eat you alive in like five minutes and you're done because, <laughs> you know, one or, you know what I mean? So just sort of, you know, really taking it slow and steady yeah. and really, you know, building your customer base and it's okay to say no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, I think it's better, better if you say no and just kind of, you know, take, you know, be slow about your learnings. Yeah. So kind of like learning to walk before you run because you don't have the capacity to create hundreds of thousands of teas to send to Whole Foods, for example. Exactly. Yeah. And the cash flow that's needed for that to actually happen. Well, and you don't want to burn those bridges, right? Like you don't want to land a deal with Whole Foods and then they put in the first order, you pull it off and then they're, they get angry because you can't fulfill your end of the exactly. deal. Exactly. Yeah. After that, you know, like, yeah, I think that's great. I think being thoughtful about that stuff, that is such a good tip. Um, and also too, I think people, um, it's a lot easier to get on shelf and it's a lot harder to get off the shelf. Right. I mean, huh. it, there's no risk. There's no risk for the retailers. Say, sure, come on, you know, we'll bring you on. But if you don't have enough brand awareness, if you don't have enough customer loyalty, like it takes a lot of work for to, to have a customer go into the store and pull you off the shelf. Like yeah. you, you need to have done a lot of work. Yeah. And that takes that takes some time. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that's interesting because all of the branding and all of the brand marketing and all of that stuff, that's on you. They're Mm -hmm. just sticking the product on the shelf, you know, like all they're doing is giving you a space. So you have to create the buzz so that it continues to move. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. And that's where all your money goes. Yeah. 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 So I'm really curious to know. So at this stage, there's yourself and your your co-founder and you're raising some money. Is this because you're expanding a team, buying stock? What what was the kind of first raise? Yeah. What were your business decisions? Like, did you hire? I want to know if you hired like a branding agency or anything, Mm. too. Um, yeah, so we did hire a branding agency and I, um, would not recommend that, but we did, we did hire a very large branding agency. Um, so a lot of the cash needs were, you know, just raising money for marketing needs. Um, not really for human capital, to be honest, a Uh lot of the, the, the money that we were raising was for, um, you know, for marketing spend. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that's where a lot of the money goes because, um, you know, to, for inventory was was not 
was not so much initial, but it was about, you know, we need to have enough dollars to make sure that these products are going to move. Yeah, okay. And a lot of the money was going to digital ad spend gotcha. and campaigns and just, you know, brand awareness. So you were doing like paid acquisition or paid ads um, for those of you who don't Absolutely. work in. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Um, yep. And then were you selling online? Was it like an e-commerce drink that you bought in bulk or were you also trying to get into stores at this point? So when we launched, it's a great question because our strategy during COVID has completely turned around. Mm. We started very much in retail. Uh And when we launched, we soft launched into the market with a few SKUs. We now have eight SKUs. We started with, uh, we soft launched with three. Um, one of them we had to discontinue because everyone hated it so much. But um, <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, you live and you learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every, yeah, I know. Um, but we really started in retail. We started in supermarkets and gyms and mm. really being, you know, very much on shelf, um, you know, in the grocery store. And um, that was probably for about the first year. And then with COVID, every grocery store has seen their traffic plummet yeah. and nobody's shopping in grocery stores anymore. Mm. Um, so, you know, we, we've uh, had to really change our tune and it's been a really interesting time because this was supposed to be a very big year for us. And starting the first week of March, we got into um, all of the equinoxes in um, LA, which was a really big deal. Wow, and yeah. all, yeah. And we just got into a huge, you know, sprouts, um, program, which is, you know, like the sort of mini Whole Foods. Okay. Um, I, I think we were in about 150 doors that we got into, into the California market. And obviously California is a, you know, prime market for healthy living, you know, yeah. better for you drinks. Yeah. And, um, and then all of a sudden COVID hit. So we landed on shelf and then, you know, the whole, everyone goes, and then no one was, yeah, and oh, no yeah. one was going to the shelves. Wow. <laughs> what timing. Yeah. Wow. Perfect time. We couldn't have timed it better if we tried. Yeah. <laughs> so how'd you pivot then? How have you guys pivoted? So um, we have taken every, um, you know, sadly, we had to just talk to every retailer and say, listen, um, you know, whatever's there, we're going to support you. We, we hope that it, it you know, we'll do our best to make it move off shelf, but we're not, we're not doing anything else. We're going to close down all of our retail operations, mm-hmm. no more doors opening. Okay. Um, we had to, we just, we just hired a bunch of salespeople and merchandisers to help us. And we had to fire everybody. Oh, and, wow. um, oh, yeah, so we, we just staffed up, like doubled the size of our team and oh, then we gosh. immediately had to, you know, sort of let go of everyone. So that, that's, you know, so it's always hard. It's really hard to let go of people that are doing a good job. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that stuff, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. And then we had to put everything online. So we've just put every single dollar, everything we focus on to um, Amazon and to our website. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's actually been better. Wow. I prefer it. You have higher, <laughs> so you have higher sales online than you did in store. We we are now having higher sales online. Um, the margins online are significantly better. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's that's been better for us. Um, so we've had higher sales online. Uh, online, you know, you're selling you know a case at a time instead of a bottle at a time. Gotcha. So we've had you know higher volumes. Um, you know. Also, it's a lot easier to find your customer online. Yeah. yeah. 
Right. Um, and so I originally I was very much against um, being on Amazon because you lose all your customer data. And, gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of traditional uh, thought is that if you're going to sell a product online, you want to mainly sell it through your website. So you rent, you know, retain all that customer data. Yeah. Um, but it's a hard mountain to get up because you know, everybody buys, especially their pantry products, like heavy drinks, mm-hmm. um, you know, on Amazon and yeah. on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And so it was just something that we had to do. So we went on Amazon that we got on Prime, I believe, starting in May. So not that long ago. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's totally changed the trajectory of our sales um, being wow. on Amazon Prime. Wow. That's so, crazy. So you've made it. You've done it. So far, <laughs> we have done it. We have done it. And you know what? I have to say, too, we're very lucky because um, during COVID, we work with a lot of doctors, and everyone is recommending that you obviously stay hydrated, stay healthy, mm-hmm. and that you take electrolytes. Yeah. And we've had a lot of doctors been recommending us instead of Pedialyte. And we are working with a lot of patients in hospital rooms and bringing us in. So that's been really great as well. Oh, that's wow. Amazing. And so you are contributing yeah, yeah. to helping with the pandemic. Just yeah. We out have of, donated yeah. to hospitals all over the country um, and brought it in for, for patients and staff. Wow. And New York was so hard hit too. So I'm sure that that feels really good to have brought a product to market accidentally at the right time medically. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was so great. Um, I'm really happy to do it. And I mean, we were just pallets and pallets into, you know, the NYU hospitals and it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in just three years, I mean, even with the kind of pandemic in a way, slowing the retail side of the business down, it's actually speeded this side, like the online sales up. You've really grown so fast. It's, that's like an amazing journey to get to where you are now within just three years of starting the business. What does your team look like now? How, how many people are working for Halo and um, how do you see that growing? It is a very tight team. Uh, it's, it's been such a learning curve because we've had a team that's gone from two to 10 and now back to four. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's myself, my uh, co-founder, and we have um, someone internally doing you know, branding and creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one other team member who is my um, boyfriend, who's actually in Australia right now. Oh, wow. Who's come on to um, uh, manage all of our uh, Amazon business. Oh, wow. And um, that's about it. And it's super tight. I don't see us expanding at all. Um, honestly, you know, because we've seen this shift in the business and the velocity that we can do online. Yeah. Um, you know, what I'm working on now is um, not only accelerating our presence online, but I'm working on formulating a powder. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen probably there's like the liquid IVs or little yeah. powder sticks that you can put into your drink. So we're doing a, one of those versions of our drink. Interesting. Oh, very cool. So that it's portable as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just so great to hear that like you've got such an amazing huge brand, but such a lean operation. I think that's really heartening to hear because sometimes you just think it must take absolutely, you know, hundreds of people to to pull this off, but it is a small team and and you're doing it and you're doing it so well. 
You know what, if, if everybody um, operates, you know, efficiently, you really don't, you don't need that many people, to be honest, especially when you're operating online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have, um, to change tax here a little bit, you have <laughs> had a lot of other things going on in your personal life. And I think one of the things that just, I mean, I admire you for so many reasons, but one of the things that really struck me was when we first spoke to you, you had had all of these changes going on in your personal life as well. Like as you're on this crazy brand launch, you know, bring a new brand to market, changing your career journey. And I related to it so much, but, you know, also it made me realize there are so many women out there who go through crazy personal life changes and big, you know, shakeups and have to get up in the morning and continue on and continue marching on with whatever big uh, company or initiative they're leading. So do you want to share anything about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, Gosh. Okay. So about two years ago, I'm glad you brought that up also. Um, I was getting a divorce from my husband. Actually, I'm still in the middle of getting a divorce from my husband. We're not divorced yet because of COVID, all the courts are closed. But um, <laughs> I um, that was a very insane, unexpected life change. I should also say that when I left JP Morgan, um, my husband at the time, who I had been with for about, I guess, eight or nine years, he also quit his job. Okay. And we, yeah, so so we kind of made the decision, you know what, we've both worked in finance for, you know, 13, 14 years. We're the same age. You know what, we're, we're, we're done. Like, this, yeah. this is it. And um, we moved um, upstate into the Catskills to um, our house up there, left the city, And, um, at the time, just (laughs) as another sort of side business, um, we opened a brewery up there and, um. Wow. So this, this is before, (laughs) this is before your, um, your Halo drink. So what year is this? This is like before your, or at the same time? I would say this is, um, let's see, this is 2014, right? Around the same time. Around the same time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so this is the guy that you'd met at at work, like the he was your client at first. He was. Yeah, he okay. Was. So you yep. guys had to yep. wait to get married because of legal purpose things or whatever. Um, yep. And then you guys move up, you change your life, you've got this other product idea, but you also decide to open a brewery with your significant other. You know, we were there. You know, we 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 went, we traveled for a little while. You know, the good thing about my website, I can do it from anywhere, right? I just need yeah. my laptop, yeah. and I can go anywhere. So, you know, we spent about about a year or so traveling, which uh-huh. was awesome. We went, yeah. we traveled through all through Thailand, Vietnam, all these places, and we kind of got back upstate, and we're like, okay, you know, what do we do now? And I was working on my website. Um, my husband was like, I don't know what to do with my life. Yeah, and so. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, okay, we're still 35. Like, we're pretty yeah. young. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we have a house in Woodstock, New York, which is a very sort of, you know, well-known town. Yeah. And um, because of the concert, obviously. Yeah. And um, it's becoming more and more popular. And um, we had another friend that was, you know, really into beer and always making beer in our garage. And I said, why don't you guys open a brewery? Yeah. Like, who wouldn't huh. want to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. As 
in many relationships where the woman does most of the work, um, <laughs> I, you know, went and found a space and kind of, you know, sourced, you know, the location and, and renovated the space and worked on all the branding and whatnot. And so we opened this brewery. It, it opened um, about two years ago. Very, It's actually not that old. Just opened. Um, opened its doors January uh, 18. Okay. Um, so that opened up. And so we were living upstate. I was, you know, working on my website. I was kind of, you know, working on formulating the drink, helping him, you know, get the brewery open. So you're literally and working three jobs, basically. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But they're three jobs that you choose, not, you know, just trading floor madness. You've yeah. got you've got three passion projects going. Uh, yeah, I've been told I'm a total psychotic workaholic, but you know, it's so different. It's so different when you're doing something that is interesting and yes. that you're learning. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. agree. And I yeah. think that's a big thing I've noticed about myself where, you know, I like to be problem solving and learning things that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you're living so, up in Woodstock. You've got this brewery. You're, formu- you're in the first year of formulating Halo. You're working on Charlotte's book. And then what happens? <laughs> um, so about, um, oh, I guess it's almost it's two years ago, October, um, my husband had a little bit of a total midlife crisis, mm. a very severe midlife crisis. Um, as literally like a, I think he might have downloaded a ebook on midlife crisis, read it, and then followed the rules of midlife crisis. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I found out, I won't get, get into all the details. You guys can read, read it on my blog. Um, <laughs> so I found out that he was having an affair with one of the bartenders that worked for us at the brewery. Oh, my God. Who was a very nice 19 years old at the time. Oh, wow. And my, yeah, oh, wow. I know. 19. Yeah. My, well, at least she'd graduated high school. 40. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. Wow. Barely. Wow. Oh, my God. So how did you find out? Did he confess to this affair? Yeah. How did you? No, he did not confess. Um, you know what? He, he, it really started as a, a very severe midlife crisis. Like he pulled out a, just one night, one night in the middle of the night at like 2 a.m., he just had this total breakdown and he pulled out this picture of himself from college. Uh-huh. I don't know where he dug it up or what else, but it was, it was a picture of him in his dorm room. Uh-huh. And he's sitting in his dorm room with like a Nine Inch Nails poster or something behind him. And he's, you know, looking like some, eight, you know, 18 year old college boy. And, and he pulls it out and he's like, I think I want to be 18 again. Whoa. And I'm like, you know what? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's why I write about beauty stuff every day. <laughs> Who doesn't? Like, that's why I've been getting Botox for the last 10 years, buddy. No, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Right? No, I hear you. And that's how it kind of started. Wow. So this happens, I mean, right in the middle of bringing, or well, right at the start of bringing this new product to market. I mean, how did you oh handle divorce and the, the devastation of someone cheating on you? First of all, that's like a whole thing. And then you've oh got. Oh my God. Yeah. So, how did you do it? Because you did it. You've done it. I mean, you've done it. So, how? I mean, <laughs> I, I remember sitting at a board meeting, you know, because we, we were very lucky at Halo. And we, we raised, we've raised about $15 million so far in the last two years. And wow. so, wow. you know, we, we're, we're, we are, you know, we're, 
We have a lot of corporate governance. We're very formal. We have very formal board meetings. We have a lot of investors that we have to answer to. Yeah. And I remember sitting in, you know, sitting in a board meeting. This happened This happened October. I remember very vividly. It was October 31st. It was Halloween night. Oh, wow. And I had a, I had a board meeting about four weeks later. And that was when I figured out that he was having an affair and whatever. I hired a private investigator. That's the whole other story. Anyway, so um, <laughs> wow. I remember sitting at this sitting at this board meeting, and one of the guys looks at me, and I don't even know how I even made it to this board meeting. And I'm sitting there, and he looks at he like stopped the board meeting, and he's like, "You look," ter- I don't know if I can curse on here, but he was like, <laughs> "You look awful." Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. I'm like, we just gotta we got to just motor through this board meeting. Yeah. I'm like, I can't even, like, I can't even, you know, it, it, it was extremely, extremely difficult. Um, you know, and not, not to, I do tell people I've never actually um, experienced, I think, like depression. Yeah. Um, like that, you know, and I, I've never actually had a real appreciation for it before because I've never been through it. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's, until you really get into those um, places emotionally, I don't think you can really realize, but it was really, really, really hard. Um, you know, I just kind of, you know, did my best to focus on work. I think when you have, you know, a business to run, sometimes that just sort of overtakes everything yeah. as a focus. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really, really difficult time, I'd say, for about four months. I, you know, I just... I went to therapy, which I really, really recommend. And I wish people would be sort of more open with that. It helped me tremendously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if I didn't do that, I, I I went to therapy probably one or two times a week for about four months. Yeah. Um, as part of the process, um, I had my sister come live with me for about a month. Oh, and that's I good. I had my two amazing dogs. Um, but it was really, you know, really difficult. But mm. You know, there's a different kind of stress and pressure on you when you take other people's money. And I always say that because I think people are very, um, I think startups get like glamorized. Yeah. And um, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of stress. You know, when people write you checks, you know, I, I take that really seriously and it's people's hard earned money and they write you a check and, um, you know, you have to do, you know, the best that you can do all the time to sort of, you know, do your fiduciary responsibility to those people. Yeah. So I think that kind of overcomes, but I think people get really excited with the world of, of startups. And I always try to tell people there's a big difference between, you know, doing your own business and being a small business owner and then making the move to start up and taking other people's money. Yeah. Right. Because they, they're not the ones going through divorce, you know, they're not the ones that had this, this turmoil in their lives. So they don't understand, you know, if you were to say, Oh, Never mind, you know. Yeah, just take <laughs> time right. off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they they wouldn't understand really. Um, yeah, it's Not interesting. At all. It's hard to understand what it's like to go through something devastating until you're actually doing it, right? And to to con- continue on. Wow. Yeah, I never experienced anything like that before. Yeah. It yeah. kind of sounds to me like the business helped to save you in a way because it gave you that purpose and drive to keep going I think so I, I mean I think so I, I think I really I, I question it a lot sometimes where I think it helped me a lot and what was really interesting I felt was the various perspectives of 
my friends and Um, the women around me. And they were very different because on one hand, your perspective, which I agree with, was, you know, working on your own thing and having that drive you through. And then I had so many other women almost sort of fault me and say, well, maybe this is why this happened and you shouldn't Ooh. have been, you know, working and you need to be home with oh, your no. husband. And like, so, oh, I, what? you know what? It's <laughs> totally. Oh, wow. Is this 1957? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, oh. that thinking doesn't fly on the female founders yeah, network. No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, but, it, but but even people like women that I that I were friends with that I felt were very progressive. Like it's a very it, I was kind of shocked to hear that viewpoint. Oh. You know, like oh, you need to be committed, you know, to your to your marriage, and that should come first. And it it was really it was really interesting. It was really interesting to feel those sort of responses, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no denying that relationships take work, but you know, thinking that a woman can't be ambitious and and have these things going or and also have a healthy marriage, I think is a pretty outdated uh, way of thinking that's that would be hard 100%. to hear. 100%. Yeah. Hard to hear. I and I was kind of shocked um yeah. shocked yeah. to hear it. Do you think any of his friends would have said that to him? No chance, yeah. no chance, right? Yeah. It, no, you would never, no one would ever say that to a man. Yeah, yeah, so bizarre. So if you could, so if some, I mean, people are getting divorced every day, people are going through hard yep. stuff every day, you know, unfortunately people are finding out about infidelity and things like that every day. So yeah. what would you say to a woman who's running a business, starting a brand, doing something, and she's just going through the hardest time in her life? Like what would your tips or advice be? Oh, man, I would say um, I think one of the things that's really important, um, no matter how busy you are, no matter what it is, is that you have to carve out at least 20 minutes of the day to yourself. Okay. I think it's the only way to stay sane. And I know that is people say that all the time and everyone's like, oh, I can't do that. I have kids. I have this. I have whatever. And, And there's a million excuses not to do that. Like a million excuses not to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after I think I've run myself ragged so many times. Yeah. And even if you just take 20 minutes to, you know, you do a 20 minute yoga or to meditate or like write in a journal or listen to a podcast or whatever it is. Um, it, it just really grounds you. And I think that people are really bad at, at doing that. And I think that's the only thing that I've really learned through the process is that you will you will exceed and go farther if you could just give yourself, you know, that every day of sort of um, prioritizing and, and focusing on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really great advice. That's beautiful. And it's something that we should all do, like, no matter what. No matter what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, no matter what. Honestly, Robin, we are so happy to have you on. You have so much strength and you are so <laughs> innovative and I'm just in awe of you. So if people want to shop for Halo drinks, could you let them know where to shop and also where to find Charlotte's book for those of us looking for beauty tips over 35? Oh, yes. Okay. So charlottesbook.com, please subscribe to the newsletter. Send it once a week. Um, It's an amazing website. I hope you like to read it. I'm glad. So glad to hear that. And uh, Halo. So we are not in Australia yet. I hope we are. Um, And um, are you guys in the UK? In the US. 
We, you know what, we're working on our UK launch right now, okay. so we'll be in the UK in 2021. Okay, great. Yes, we which have, is yeah, very exciting. We have listeners, um, a lot of listeners in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Great. Well, in the US, we are on halosport.com. Okay. And we are on Amazon Prime. Okay, beautiful. And Canada, does that work as well? Not Canada yet. Not Canada yet. ship to Canada. Okay. Not yet. All right. So for those of you in the U.S., you can find it on Amazon Prime or halosport.com. Pink Lemonade is my favorite. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommend it. And um, I'm just going to say, if you let's say you use code cheers and you'll get 30% off your, your purchases. Ooh. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Robin. We'll Thank chat you. soon. <laughs> use that code. Cheers. Okay, thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.